Welcome to episode 89 of Not Politically Correct. Happy New Year's, friends, family, and fans. What is going down? It's the homie TS, a.k.a. C-Nova. You know I gotcha. A.k.a. Hank Hook, a.k.a. Mexican Raiden, a.k.a. E.T.E., a.k.a. The Wonton Don, a.k.a. Quentin Quarantino, a.k.a. Bug Eating Brian. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me... And you can find me on Twitter at CNOVA. KPZ, what is going down with you this year? McCoy. Yo, 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 you know what to do. It's your boy McCoy, a.k.a. Mr. What to Do, a.k.a. Young Splash God, a.k.a. No Cap Charlie, a.k.a. Smooth Job Johnny, a.k.a. Doped Up Danny, a.k.a. Yeah. FBI Mike, a.k.a. Yeah. Hip Hop Harry, a.k.a. Yeah. Hallway Jones, because yo, I'm on your bitch phone somewhere, so, you know. I'm there. Get him on his two-way, motherfucker. <laughs> and you can find me at Real McCoy KPZ on Twitter. And you can find me at Real McCoy Rebel on Snapchat. Straight like that. Cody. Hi, I'm Cody. <laughs> what he said. You dig? And where can we find you? Uh see the recording everything. <laughs> and also as a feature on the next Lady Gaga album. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, see the recording every. <laughs> I meant Slipknot. Okay, here we go. <laughs> You're gonna die. See the recording every. Hi, I'm Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> the one is with you, huh? What? <laughs> right, I don't. Uh... Hi, I'm Tyler Swift. <laughs> Tyler. Swift. <laughs> Tyler Swift. <laughs> All right, I'm Rusty Bud. Better there, there. Smooth Figures, aka Kid Universal, aka The Progenitor, aka Spool Wars Q, aka Rusty Bucks. Let's go! That's a weird bus sound. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas the Trick hey. Engine. Choo, choo. Let's go! <laughs> uh, That's that meme uh, of Thomas the Trick Tank Engine doing cocaine. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, I know I can. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't even know that that existed, but that's hilarious. <laughs> hey. oh, man. Uh, you can find me on the chattiest of snaps as chattiest snap chattiest, and on IG at Candy Computer D C A N D I P underscore C U P I D I T Y. What? 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 That's radiates. Ooh yeah. Idiot. Yeah, singular. <laughs> singular. <laughs> oh US singular. God. Little orange. U.S. singular. Little <laughs> <laughs> um, spinner guy. Just so you guys know, you can find us on Facebook and join the group at Not Politically Correct Podcast. You can also like the group at the NPC Podcast like the page at NPC Podcast, which is good for numbers and things of that nature. Um, we're on Twitter at Not PC Podcast. Um, we are on SoundCloud, uh, po- the podcast app on your iPhones, uh, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, anything that you can listen to shit on except title. And <laughs> all you have to do is search Not Politically Correct Podcast. You can like us, you can review us, leave us some comments, tell us how good we do, how bad we are. It may or may not get red, but either way, you're a part of the community. We won't want it you might to get blue, right? Or <laughs> green or orange. So, Roy G. Biff. Anyways, because circle cycles. Or exactly. And now it's time Bye, for circle. Re- 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 re-
Sports. The New England Patriots eliminated from the playoff contention, breaking their 11 year streak. Uh, Christmas Day. Uh, <laughs> damn. 11 years. I feel like it was more than that, but that's crazy. I thought it was going to be like 17. Yeah, that's when yep. Brady got drafted. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Three, right? mm. uh, Christmas Day, uh, Elvin Kamara? Kamara? Um, he's running back for the Saints. I never heard of him, but we should now because he ran for 172 <laughs> yards and got six touchdowns. Holy cannoli, Batman. In one game? In one game. Most teams can't even do that in a game, and he did it himself. He put the whole team out of the back. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Come on, fellas. He's like, I can do this. Let's go. Let's he, was, go. <laughs> <laughs> he was really Thomas the Tank Engine. the Tank Engine. Right. Exactly. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I just thought of something. Uh, he showed that the Saints can go marching in. <laughs> in the end zone. For t- okay. Um, <laughs> that was good. Right? What does that put? So, the, it was the delivery. In terms of wait, in terms of uh, touchdowns, six touchdowns in one game should put him somewhere in probably in the top twenty to top ten uh, scores in the league, right? I would, I mean, I'm, I would just assume because most people in NFL like, history, you saying? No, no, just in just in this season, just in this season, in this season, because most people get like what between ten and fifteen touchdowns if, if they're good. Like we're like receivers, things of that nature. So oh, in the whole season. Yeah, yeah. So they he that has to like increase his numbers to like top. Damn, I want to say damn near top five, but I'm not quite sure because you know he's gonna get a contract extension for five hundred million. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna own the Saints. <laughs> he goes from running back to general manager. <laughs> general back. Wait, uh, <laughs> that is. I don't want to say pause there, but I don't. I was gonna say where does your where are you hurting right now? General back area. <laughs> My spinal. <laughs> uh, Packers. Uh, we have seven Pro Bowl selections. That is a lot, and that's crazy for us. Um, include Devontae Adams, Jerry Alexander, David Bakhtiari, who just got an injury and is out for the rest of the uh, season, which we're just going to the uh, playoffs soon, so that's a real bummer. Um, El- Elgton, Elgton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Zadarius Smith. Damn. Shout out to them. Uh, also, when the when the Packers recently played the Titans, we won forty to fourteen. Rodgers had four touchdowns. Uh, that brought. Rodgers and Devonte Adams to be the most prolific duo in Packers history in terms of completions. Oh, really? um, in terms of what? Completions. Uh, it's probably when a quarterback so, does his job. Got it. Yeah. So second was Driver and Favre. So suck it. So, they had, <laughs> so third it was Rodgers Nelson, four sixty nine completions. Uh, second was Favre and uh, Driver, four eighty six, and then now Rodgers and Adams for four eighty nine. Damn. And you know what's crazy? Didn't Driver what? Driver play in he was with us when we won the twenty twenty or twenty ten uh Super Bowl, right? Or twenty eleven? No. Yeah. He wasn't? I thought he was. He was. I, no, because he, he was he was because he did he got he a was. ring before he got out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. The freak. So he got drafted in ninety nine. But yeah. then ten, so like 10, I'm 11. thinking of I'm thinking uh You I think know Randall Cobb was drafted right after that. Um 
Donald Driver has a beautiful smile. Uh, <laughs> shut up, he does. What? Fight me. Are you on his Tinder profile? Or exactly. Last of a lawn walks on the beach. Oh, to 2012 is when he retired. Wow, I didn't know. Okay, I thought he retired earlier than that. Three-time Pro Bowl. Yeah. Oh, look at that. That's a beautiful smile. Okay, so Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers um, are now both in the Madden 99 club. Uh, Devontae Adams was just bumped up by Madden for that. So that's I know it's just a video game, but it's huge news, and he's praising it, and that's awesome. He deserves it. It actually is. It actually overdue. is huge news. I've, I've just recently learned that they actually – what is his name? Um. Uh, Ocho Cinco, aka Chad Johnson. Um, he AKA Chad Ocho Cinco, right? <laughs> he, um, I think he's been appointed to do to help uh, Madden with like to so help it's Madden. Not credible. The, <laughs> that is not credible. <laughs> he's been he's been appointed like some type of like assistant in helping Madden like get those numbers right. Um, I have to look up the the exact you know. Don't quote me on exactly how he does it or what his position is, but. I know it was floating around and he was um, general back. Right. <laughs> yes, he's the general back for Madden. That sounds freaky as fuck, bro. I don't, I don't know if I want to keep saying that. Okay, running running manager? <laughs> but uh that that's interesting that because players for that and for 2K, players have become very particular because you gotta think about players that are playing in this league now grew up on video games. You know what I'm saying? They're like mm-hmm. our age, so they were playing like ESPN and Madden and and all that shit throughout the 2000s like this like um, playing ESPN right yeah ESPN football and basketball like back when it was before it was 2K um so they know I don't think anybody played that they just waited for 2K they knew that was coming shit <laughs> ESPN, ESPN game was cold as a bitch what you talking about um uh, but I'm talking but about it a lot it's just it's just funny because like how important that has become like video games have become as a staple, you know, in our in our culture. Motherfuckers be mad when they see their ratings and they're like, well, I should be mad then. Right. <laughs> mad then a bitch when they see their uh, <laughs> when they see their ratings like uh like I've like I've seen basketball players from the NBA tweet to 2K like bro my shit wrong. <laughs> like I'm like that's that's wild. You like you care that they much but they do take it very personally. Yeah, they do. Like, they a lot do. more personally than I feel like they should. But right, like yeah. that, that's that's funny. Like it's almost like you want the league the league might have to come up with a way to like actual measurements of okay, well he he shot these many baskets for this percentage like he should be somewhere in here like that because they get real serious about where they think they and then they look at other players and be like, this motherfucker is this. I know I'm better than dog. I done broke his ankle three times this season. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it, that's that's with a hammer. That <laughs> that's always been crazy to me. Like, like that's a real thing. Like motherfuckers <laughs> ain't going for no you know eighty rating when they feel like they should be ninety five and shit. So yeah. Um, I think it's gonna be hilarious when somebody is like, "Yo, my stats should be a lot better, and my player needs to be like this." And then they look at the stats like, "Oh yeah, you're right. We." You're too good on this game, actually. You're supposed to be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, you're Our bad. Let's make what this more f- accurate with your Urkel ass. <laughs> actually, if you go on YouTube, they have like they interview players saying like, "What do you think your rating is?" And then they tell them what when Madden like releases their ratings and stuff like that. And it's some funny reactions. But speaking of overrated players uh, in the NBA, Rudy Gobert signs a five-year, two hundred and five million dollar extension with the Jazz. 
largest deal for a center in NBA history. Damn. I don't think that he's the best center in even in the current league right now. Um, I'm not saying he's bad unless they're just taking an account that he shut the whole NBA down and that's because he should get defensive player of the year because he was licking the or coughing whatever on the microphones with, when the coronavirus was starting. He a nasty-ass <laughs> nigga. <laughs> He's a nasty-ass French nigga. Is he French? I think so. I oh. think he is now. Right. Okay. <laughs> oui, oui. Is he related to Stephen? No, it's Colbert. Right. Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Oh, you um, Lakers receive uh, <laughs> championship rings uh, is the most expensive ring in NBA history. And they have a lot of mementos on there uh, for Kobe. They got like a snake on there in eight and uh, 24. I think they have a two in there. I'm not sure. Um, they got like all the years of their championships that the Lakers had won. And so, so Damn, how do you fit pretty... all that on the fucking ring? Jesus. Yeah. That's why he's, like, he's on there too, man. It's crazy. Like, I'm just kidding. It's, it's damn near a watch now. Like, it's no, it's, it's no longer a ring. It's a bracelet. Dishwasher in there. Hey, that's what bro. Like they're like, you know, this this year we gonna you gonna soup it up. Next year they gonna get chains and shit. Damn. Right. Um. Yeah, it's like 15 pounds ring. Um. LeBron. Uh, is second on the Christmas Day. Uh, scoring leaders behind Kobe, um, and third is uh, Kareem. So I think that's crazy. Like all time Christmas Day scoring. Damn. Damn. But he's been in the league a long time. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, he's also the most consecutive <laughs> ten plus points per game. Um, with one thousand points now. Uh, second was Michael Jordan with eight hundred sixty-six. I think that's a funny statistic that people count. Like 10, 10 points plus. 10 or more points game, you know, point games. Oh, so he has a thousand games that he's had. Okay, a thousand games that he's had. That is In so, a row. In a row, though. Right, right. Right. Back to back to back. Head ass. I, Not this, a column. Right. A row, man. <laughs> Not he a, did his job this many times in a row. Right. This is what we paid him for, and he did it. In a cycle, not a circle, head ass. Um <laughs> That's that's that is interesting, dog. The NBA. Somebody okay. Somebody once said this, and I think this is the funniest. This is on the internet, the funniest shit ever. If Americans, no, actually, I think this is um us. No, no, no. Um, even though we are funny as fuck, it's the dude, the South African comedian Trevor Noah. I think yeah. it was him. He said, and a lot of shame on other South African comedians out there. Like, I'm nobody compared to him. <laughs> he said if Americans were to if Americans were to treat Stop shooting each other in schools yikes no. uh, <laughs> really dark T.S. really dark um, if Americans were to treat the stock market and financial system the way if we were to analyze that shit the way that we analyze sports we would be like basically paraphrasing. We would be the like the lead country in the world. We'd be a way better off country. We spend hey, more time. You want me to edit this? No. Um, <laughs> you could if you want to find a, if you want to find an actual clip and drop it in or and, I, and say we I don't, don't know what you're talking about. 
I'll find it. it. <laughs> I'll find it. I'll post it. I, this is this was on me. I, I brought it up like like an idiot. So wait until after the pod. Yeah. Before, I'm just kidding. But he, he basically he basically said that we no, analyze fucking sports like we should be analyzing like rocket ships and shit, which is crazy because who the fuck keeps track of how many motherfuckers had a ten right. points plus game? Like what? Right. That's so that's so fucking random. That's super random as a bitch. But, but at the like, same time, it's like yeah, with sports, like they really they're so excited and entertaining for some people like me, I should say. Um, but <laughs> Like same with like comics, like we all except for TS kind of he's trying uh, are Aww. huge into that and like Aww, no you know stuff like TS. that. But it's like <laughs> things that really matter in the world, like economics or apparently rocket ships in space at one current time. Uh, <laughs> that in the sixties, you know, <laughs> one <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and and speaking of rockets. Um, <laughs> James Harden got fined. Um, anywho, his old player <laughs> Russell Westbrook um, is the first player to get. Uh, so what is it? No, no Wizards player ever has had a triple double in their debut. Russell Westbrook just did it in three quarters. Of um, course, he is cur- he's a triple double. He's currently averaging a triple double so far, um, and the Wizards are delicious. are zero and five. So tell wait, me who the, the problem wiz- is? The Wizards are zero and five. They're zero and five. So so who's the problem? Is it him? Because every team he goes to, we're, they're not getting anywhere. So it's definitely like it's, not him. It's definitely I, not. Yes, yeah. he's definitely the problem. Just how say yes, so I can move on to Steph Curry. Okay, okay. Wait, how did so, you say it's him if he's averaging triple doubles? Exactly. <laughs> and because when they had John Wall, they were doing a lot better. And every team he goes to, he's like when we talked about with like I'm I'm not paying attention to him this season, uh, like watching him wise. I don't know if he's stat padding like he was that one year, but I mean, I just feel like you know it makes sense that you're trying to make your numbers and your stats high to make yourself look good, but you're not working as a team like we've talked about, you know? Yeah, I don't think he plays team ball on any team that he goes to, honestly. Um, since the um, since his initial breakup, which is uh, funny because they still make memes on it. Um, <laughs> but I, I agree with Cody. I think that, you know, um, when, when you go to a team and the team doesn't seem to improve, but you seem to be doing well, I think that's a problem. Um, I think it would be a problem for any player that does that, um, whether it's Michael Jordan, um, Larry, Magic, um, LeBron. Um, Shaq, whoever it is, if you go to a team and it doesn't seem like you're improving the team or you're only um, gaining notoriety for yourself, I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't think... <clears throat> I've always... Again, this is outside looking in because I don't play in the NBA, but I've always felt like <clears throat> like uh, Russell Westbrook seemed to be a team guy. Like That's why he was big you know, with, K, with KD. Like That's why he was so angry when... With KD. Left. Yeah, right. with KD, that's the only time that he was like really on a team that was working together. And keep in mind, they had KD, Westbrook, and James Harden. Right, the three of them. And when they were together, yeah, they played phenomenally together. But since then, it's honestly felt like the West, uh, the Russell Westbrook show. Like, His who else on any of way. those teams besides the current team? Can you be like, oh yeah, Dog was there too? You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> Jesus. Because even when Jordan was in the league, you'd be like, oh, he got Scottie Pippen. There's, there's Steve Kerr. There's uh, Tony Kukoc. Uh, <laughs> right. 
you know what I'm saying? They were uh, Dennis Rodman. They were each holding their own positions, and they played team ball, which is what I mean, made them a great team. You take Allen Iverson, for instance. I can't name a single one of his teammates, so he put Man. the whole team on his back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like he had the whole show and they lost all the time, you know? There's a difference. Right, right. No, I feel it. I feel it. Uh, Steph Curry uh, made officially made 2,500 three-pointers. He is number three on the list of most three-pointers made by wow. Reggie Miller and Ray Allen. And his wife is on DoorDash or Grubhub. <laughs> Wait, <Steve> what? what? <laughs> you ever seen anything in the commercial? Uh, Her sitting <laughs> in like a chair or something or a bed or something eating takeout. I'm like, what the fuck is this, yeah? <laughs> Uh, What's the point of all this? What is the point? I don't know if this quote is like taken to be taken seriously or if it's sarcastic. If it's sarcastic, I think it's hilarious. But Steve Kerr on Steph Curry's 105 threes in a row, he said uh, he choked. He couldn't make the 106 one. I guess he just didn't have it in him. It's very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a jab to people that are like, oh, like he, he should have made that or something like that. It's like, really? Can you make four in a row? Shut up. <laughs> right. Can you make one in a row? Yeah. So, uh, and now for the Detroit Pistons, they uh, hire Big Sean to be the team's creative director of innovation, as he's also from Detroit. So that is very cool. Uh, shout out to him. And also, speaking of Detroit Rappers, Reminem, Rim Rady, Rim Rady. That's funny. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. The real Rim Rady. Please Ram Rap. Uh, so, <laughs> Please Ram Rap. Pause. <laughs> Hold on. <coughs> Jesus. It's you should about. Reeses. 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 Um. So, Eminem. One of our favorite homies. Isn't that right, Donovan? Uh, right. Shout out to Donovan. We know this is his favorite rapper um, of all time. He has all of his posters hanging on his wall. <laughs> Hope you know. Yeah, he's actually the like... reason why we're doing this special is because he loved Eminem so much he wanted us to put it on the platform for him. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? We might name this episode Donnie's episode. <laughs> D12 Donnie. D12 Donnie. <laughs> okay. Write that down. Um... So, yes, nah, Eminem, earlier last year, technically at this point, about a year ago, minus eh, 19 days. About a year ago. Uh, yeah, so, and so in 19 days, it'll be a year since Eminem dropped uh, Music to be Murdered by. I believe it would drop January 20th. And if I'm right, I'm cold because this is all off the top of my head. Anywho. I, I was going to look it up, too. When exactly did he release that? And um, I didn't because I didn't think I need to. <laughs> but about... Two to three weeks ago, um, he dropped. So towards mid December, he dropped a deluxe edition of "Music to Be Murdered By," um, also known as the B side. Um, it is. I, I want to start this by saying this: I hate deluxe editions in the sense of, in this era. It's not in this era. In this era, it is so odd because they use it as a way to pad numbers and. You know, get your album more stream. It's like a streaming numbers game at, in this day and age. Um, as opposed to back in the day, 
you would go to the store, Lloyd Banks had two albums. He had the regular album, and then he had the special edition album, which was a different color, which was actually his face in the dollar bill, which was cold. How it had like it was, felt like dollar bill paper and shit. It was a three, a trifold thing. Uh, we opened it up. You got a, a CD and a DVD with a bunch of behind the scenes shit. Gene was like notorious for doing this shit. Dog, I had the Young Buck. He had the same shit. Uh, Fifty Cent had some special editions. Like it was, it was crazy back then with the Trady Aftermath with the special edition joints. Anywho, um, so. Eminem dropped his deluxe edition. It added 16 tracks to this already very well put together album. But the question is, what does it add? What does it add to the overall experience? 16 tracks. Exactly. Nah. Um. <laughs> so I guess we're gonna start with you know the usual, which is best production. Best production on this on this album. So we're gonna start it off with Killer. Um, T.S., by the way, these are out of order this time because I had to put Killer first because it's just, like, the best beat to me. Um, <laughs> Killer, <laughs> this this track has, like, super, super duper... You know what? Stop. Pause. Before I give this, give my rundown, fellas, what did y'all think? Before I even go into what I think is the best, what did y'all think about this album? Because I know, T.S., you would probably listen to this just as much, if not more than me. And I know we all had a chance to peek at this album. So, T.S., let's start with you. What did you think about this album, the Deluxe Edition? I thought it was a dope album. I thought he did a good job of keeping um, some of the songs off of music to be murdered by. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like he should have took some tracks off of music to be murdered by and replaced them with tracks from side b and then that would have just been a 10 album and then whatever was left would be this side b thing like instead of um stepdad he should have had tone deaf or so you think that he had throwaways in music to be murdered by that should be replaced by side b tracks yes yes most definitely okay my question is uh what's that one song he has on side b uh uh, something about Booker Rhymes. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Do you guys recall when he had the interview on 60 Minutes with Anderson Cooper and he had that shoebox of like all his like just random yes. bits of yes. So I remember that. When I heard this song, I thought about that and like, is he literally like from now on, like his the rest of his career is putting down stuff that he has written in the past, his Booker Rhymes. You know, that, <laughs> I, I feel like that could be a conspiracy theory. Potentially, I know. So when I saw when I heard um, my book around when I even saw it the the title, it reminded me of um, Nas has a song called Book of Rhymes off of Godson, mm-hmm. and or is this off of Stillmatic? It's off of one of those albums. Damn, I want to say Stillmatic. Anywho, um, it's Nas. The way it's written is so funny because it's like Nas. Saying, telling Alchemist who produced the beat that he, you know, he brought, I brought this, uh, I went to my old crib and I got this book of rhymes and the shit that I've been looking for. And the way he raps the shit is like random eight to 12 bars that might mean something. And then like he'll be like start crumpling up paper and shit. Or just like, it's like he's like looking through the notebook. It's so super creative. And then, not that Eminem wasn't snapping on this because he was, but when you listen to, and this goes back to all I'll be trying to tell T.S., goddamn ass, Nas is, 
the better <laughs> is top notch artist. Because when you look at M, how the way M, M just is just rapping, going crazy, and you know he's just saying I'm empty in my book of rhymes. The way Nas put it together was like he was actually in a book looking through this shit. Like, damn, nah, that shit suck. What if I said this? Blah 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 blah. Like, and so when M did it after knowing that Nas song and going back through Nas's history all summer, I was underwhelmed with what happened on this track. Even though he had bars, I was really underwhelmed at the approach. I was like, oh, okay, this is cute. That's cool. You know, whatever. Yeah, sweet. He has a book of rhymes. Well, ooh. So, I don't... <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I don't think it was an ode to that Nas track. No, I, think I don't think... I don't think... M was just releasing bars. But, um, overall, because I feel like you're going to have a lot to say about uh, this M album, overall, I would say it was a decent body of work. It's something that I could listen to straight through from beginning to end. When listening to music to be murdered by, I like Stepdad, for instance. Stepdad, and I forget the other track. Yep. It was in the begin Darkness. Yep. Yeah. Stepdad and Darkness. It was like, wait, you eh. didn't like Darkness? Oh, wait, not Darkness. It, Leaving it, Heaven. Sorry. Yeah, Leaving. That's okay. Them the two. Leaving Heaven. Them the same, two, them the same yeah. two. Them the same two. I don't like on that. Yeah. Um, when it gets to them two tracks, it's like, eh. And. I don't, I don't know. So there was those tracks on music to be murdered by, but this album, it's it's bars heavy. It's a hip hop album. He's rapping his ass off from beginning to end, which for me was really dope. But it's sometimes because of how fast M raps and how much stuff he's saying um, any one point in time, it seemed like I was drowning in words. So it became less. Um, Less enjoyable and more like, okay, this is too much. Maybe this should have just been an additional four tracks that you added to side B or an additional six tracks. But this whole 16, uh, good for you for keeping up with the the three verses. But maybe this track only needed the two. Maybe this track literally only needed the one because now you're not even doing 16 bar verses anymore. It sounds like you're doing 20 to 32 in one verse. And you still got the couple of hooks in there. It's like, okay, bro, I know you're trying to get your shit off, but maybe you should get off the toilet for a little bit. Let's just 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 let this shit marinate, dog. (laughs) You released too much. Fucking flush, all right? No, I, I, yes. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah, so that's that's my general take on it. Okay. Cody, what you think? Um well, differently. <laughs> 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 I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um I I I don't know. I, I don't think it's I, to me it seems like TS is saying like a quantity thing, and I don't think it has to do with that, like Maybe just, and I get like projects that are too long, like Chris Brown just, you know, that 44 whatever track album, like that, I didn't even crack that open yet. Yeah, <laughs> it was like two, three years ago, but. Um, yeah, two, yeah, I mean, two of those. Two, yeah, two of those wow. back to back. He did um, moon, uh, Heartbreak in the Moonlight or Moonlight in the Heartbreak, some shit like that. That was in 2017. And then last year, 2019, or. Actually, year before last, 2019, um, he did another 40 track joint, Indigo. That's when. Well, he, uh, so. I, I just think that like these Eminem songs are really good, and as a huge Eminem fan, like I don't know, there's a little bits of nostalgia. There's like 
there's some songs where it's like I can't keep up because it's back to back to back to back bars and references and stuff. And there's hilariousness, there's seriousness, there's stories. Like it was, you know, yeah, it was great stuff. Okay, I'm not saying that there should be stuff that I think could be left out or taken out. Very few, I think, but it's already out. So what can you complain about? You know, <laughs> it's already out. <laughs> All right, Russ, what you think, bro? Um, and so it begins. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, kind of, kind of disappoint y'all. I, I think I need to actually listen to it. Honestly, didn't have time this week. You know. Um, I really didn't have time this week. It was um, I mean, it was three weeks. I didn't have any time this this uh, holiday season. Honestly. Um, I barely listened to that that Rico shit, Joe. Um, but it dropped on a Friday. Same. <laughs> but Good it, job, yes. He's like, I, I am so <laughs> proud of you, TS. <laughs> uh, Literally every. Probably not going to remember that the next time. Right. I thought it came out Tuesday. Right. On, on a Thursday. I didn't have time, you know. Like, literally didn't have time to do most anything. Um, it was just family, um, just dealing with family and dealing with family things. So, um, but yeah, um, it sounds like something I might want to listen to. <laughs> right, right. I feel it. <laughs> well, go ahead and give yourself a, um, late Christmas present. Um, when you get some time and go ahead and check this out and I'll tell you yeah. why I will tell you why. <laughs> Ooh. So best production. You got killer. Uh, this beat got super silly horns and banging ass 808s to carry it. And I'm telling like it's extra it's extra bouncy and it's layered with like a cheesy yet really creative vocal sample of boom boom. Like you hear like the producers in the yeah. background saying boom boom to layer the drums. They like the boom boom falls with like where the drums are. Like it's it's fucking crazy. It's like he's using that sound of boom boom as a kick layer and it fits the playfulness of this beat. Like when you hear that it's it reminds me of like real some shady Bay area it, it, exactly it, i was gonna say it reminds me of real some shady or or without me with a very very like uh uh not for lack of a better word black twist like you know like eminem's hits they were they were rap as fuck. Real Slim Shady and, and, and all that shit was rap and it bumped and it had that kind of bounce to it. But it reminds, it puts me in the mind of Real Slim Shady with the more like current urban kid like bounce to it. It just adds something to the whole shit that just makes it like, like I'd really will dance it's to. It's a radio single. Right. Like I would really dance to. Eminem don't have a lot of shit that I bounce to unless it was some Dr. Right. Dre shit. If it, if it was like. Um, off Crime 2001, he was rapping like that's different, but he don't have a lot of shit that he's ever been on. And I was like, oh shit, this shit, damn, hey, hey. Eminem don't have that. He actually, I'm like, damn, this nigga's cold, this, this lyrical shit, but he don't got a lot of shit that made me want to bounce. Killer is the first song in a long time since I think uh, Bad Meets Evil, where it was sitting on it. I was like, oh, hey, like, I don't get that a lot from M, and I never have, me personally. But this you didn't mess with um those kind of nights. Those kind of nights was good. Those kind of nights was good. But again, that beat is not that whole shit is not 
it has more of a pop tinge to it. I feel it. I feel um, it. You know what I'm saying? Like, speaking of which, tone deaf, that beat and how he did, delivered that really made me reminisce and feel like it was like early thousands M. Yep, for sure. For sure. You get you get a lot of points on this where it's like, damn, all right, M, he improved some places or he did something different or he, uh, like I said, with, with, with Killer, it's crazy because I've never, and I'm a, and everybody knows, hardcore Eminem fan, Marshall Mathers LP1 is my favorite human piece of music ever. Um, right, exactly. Like, I mean, if dogs are out there making rap albums, he might have a, you know, some competition, but that, like, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I've never, all these years, bro, I've, Eminem has had head nodders, so like, shit that makes me want to bang my head, shit that makes me want to listen, but this shit made me want to, like, I'm in the car, I'm like, hey, like, I really want to dance, like, and I'm like, what the fuck? I don't never get this from Eminem, so this was something great for me, and like, I just keep going back to this song. Um, it's a simple, simple one that's crafted just right for radio single. Um, if he was going to do, and he, of course he didn't make a video to it. He made a video to fucking that, but like, this would be the one, this would be the one where, you know, I would want to see Eminem, you know, performing at the MTV music awards or some shit. Um, <clears throat> Nat, Nat is the, fir the first single off the album or the deluxe edition. He has a video for it and everything. Um, I haven't watched it, but the net, but Nat actually, this is not the only beat that does this. He has a lot of beats that change up. Nat has three beats. So two beat switches, three total beats. The third part of Nat is so fucking good, dude. Um, and I believe the producer who's produced it, DA Damien, um, DA got that dope. Like that's his tag and shit. He's the one who did most of the music to be murdered by. He's the one that did most of the, you know, shit on on this one. He's actually the reason that Don Tolliver and shit was a. Uh, I think I think he's the one that produced the, the song that Don Tolliver was on on um, music to be murdered by, and he sent it to Don Tolliver to get the, to put the hook on, and then kind of was like, yo, I got I've got this, and he got this guy Don Tolliver on there, and that's how M how Don Tolliver ended up on Eminem CD. But Da working with Eminem is crazy, and this beat is low key. This may be my favorite beat on the on the album um and i'm extremely mad that he only raps on this beat for a total of exactly 55 seconds <laughs> um exactly exactly stop watching everything exactly 55 seconds um the percussions and horns on this thing are wild as fuck bro like the snares the snares are so precise that it sounds like almost like when a person when the drummer um when a drummer does that little finger tap with at the edge of the with the stick at the edge of the snare to create that, like that, it's a certain sound that's very precise. If you guys go back and listen to this record, those those snares are very particular, and I and I like that because they they fit what he does with the horns and and the drums and shit. Mm -hmm. Um, so you add that with my favorite thing, the rap at 808s, like they get super like doom, 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 doom. like they get he gets it going with the motherfucking 808s. It's it's crazy, dog. Like. All in all, that beat just, it, it does, I don't know how to describe it because it's different, but it's so, so good. And he has the horns blowing to the point where, like, there's, like, a, a, a part where it breaks down and the horns go, nah, 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 and it kicks us back into the song and then it just ramps up. He should have, that should have been a whole song by itself, called something different with a chorus. If he wanted to do the, the two or the three verses, we needed that. But I feel like it was wasted. But who am I? That's the best beat on the album to me. Um, <laughs> and I think it's the best. 
again, it's like just like Kill, I think it's the best thing Eminem has rapped over in years since Bad Meets Evil. Some of the shit on yeah. this, some of the shit on this album, production wise and the way he put together, makes me want to say, damn, I wish you would have put Royce on this, or which Royce would be for this. This could have, yeah. honestly, music to be murdered by B side could have been Bad Meets Evil Part Two. Add a couple of uh, Mr. Porter beats and 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 Royce, and we would have been good. But I am not Eminem. I can't make those decisions. But hey, um, discombobulated again. A uh, three-part beat. I I love this because I think it feel it like we get a few pieces of Dr. Dre that we don't see Eminem on a lot of his stuff anymore. But if it, it feels like Dr. Dre pulls out just the right Dre shit for him. Um, each of the three beats are really dope and they sound like really early, you know, really early 2000 era shady aftermath. And you just got to love that shit. Um, it also sounds like a very, um, like a very good throwaway or save from the relapse era. Um, and I love how, um, there's a part in the song where he's about to rap, right? And in the song, hold on. I wrote this down. I sent it to TS a while ago. Um, <laughs> I have to find Christofferson. <laughs> Dog. <laughs> that also that song in tone and tilted in tone death. I can write. Uh, I can write banana with orange. No, orange with banana or nana. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's the like. I love M's humor too. Dog, in disco in discombobulated, he says, um, damn, I can't even find what I sent it to CS, but basically, he basically says, um, because I remember in Relapse Era, Eminem, he was doing the accents and shit, and people hated that shit. Um, I love the accents. I don't know why people hated that shit. Yeah, because that was dope. It and it makes more sense when you know it was he was trying to be a serial killer. But basically he said, um, in discombobulated, um, Let's take him back. Let's take him back in the day, or let's take him back a few. He says basically to Doctor J. Let's take him back, and then he goes accents. <laughs> like he just screams accents. I thought that was fucking hilarious because he knew he was about to do that <laughs> shit, and he was like, "You gonna take this shit because his accents weren't that bad." Not looking at first, he hopped on his ass about the accents, and then it's like he's kind of like going back to like that weren't that bad at all actually. So I just love discombobulated because it sounds like relapse era M and. For those of you who don't know, Relapse is actually my second favorite Eminem album. So, second. Yep, second favorite. It's right behind Marshmallow's LP, which is weird. There's Slim Shady, there's Eminem Show, but I think Relapse, looking back, was one of my favorites, low key. So, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. The craziest thing about that is the backstory McCoy did not fuck with that album. Neither did I until we worked together, and he told me re-listen to it seriously because yep, I didn't yep. like it. Every, and I did, and now I love it too. Yep, <laughs> I was just yep. listening to it yesterday. Seven I years. have always loved that album. That album was always been super fucking dope for me because of all the storytelling, the the different rhyme schemes, the 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 cadences that he came up with. Man, yeah. the court, the hooks, and the cadences are catchy and clever. Everything on that really? production, come on, man, come on. So when I was bringing this up and this excitement of for this album when it first dropped, and then McCoy was like, uh, nah, I don't really fuck with it. It's not really me. Uh, I was like, dude, how the fuck? Okay, cool, whatever. So I'm still vibing to it. And then years later, this nigga come out of nowhere, bro. Relapses that shit. Nigga, what? 
it, <laughs> you know what it was for me? Cap Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> big caps. Um, cap locks. I think. <laughs> I think what happened for me was I he had an interview. No, I had an interview, not you two. Years later, where he said what was going on, he made it make sense. Because I'm like, this shit just seems so odd and all over. I don't know what's going on here. And then he was like, the I was trying to do a semi-concept album where I was an, like a serial killer trying to like just, you know, kill I didn't kill all these materials. different like... <laughs> Like, right, pretty much, pretty much. Um, I was a serial killer who had just escaped, you know, a madhouse and was trying to, like, just get back. Basically, a metaphorical way of him being a serial killer to try to get, reclaim what he owned, which metaphorically was supposed to be, like, rap or some shit like that. So, I thought he was just hiding murder material. <laughs> on top of the cereal? In a cereal box. Um, but I just, once he said that, then I stopped. I said, let me just cry again. And that moment I put that CD on and listened to it top to bottom with that in my in mind, I was like, oh, holy shit, what the fuck? And then it all started to make sense. Then the accents and all that other shit that was annoying, I'm like, this was actually a stylistic touch. And it became one of my favorite Eminem albums. Um, so, yeah, that, there's that. But Nat, this this last beat that he has on Nat... Um, it's like the the funky bass line, and there's a warp dark synth. You know, I love that warp shit when they have this like warbly sound and shit with banging kicks that only Dre can do. That it makes me so happy because I want that type of Dr. Dre for Eminem. Um, we could get a relapse too, or something that's like relapse, but don't call it relapse too because sequels suck. I would like that. Best song. There's a lot of like sequels like that that we were promised and did not get. Yeah, yeah. I wish, you know, there's certain sequels I wish that they would just not have done Marshall Mathers LP too. Um, so, best songs here. Killer. I still want you to re-listen to that again. Re-listen to Relapse I'm, again. I'm going to go back to I was thinking about that this weekend. I'm going to go back to that, honestly. Because I want to make sure it's as shitty as I think it is. Because Eminem... <laughs> Eminem's, I like it a lot. Eminem's albums have a tendency to do that for me. Um, I didn't like Eminem's show at first. I like... Let me take that. I liked Eminem's show, but I'm so... You thought it was way too commercial. Yeah, like, I'm so... You thought it was too gummy, too too poppy or whatever that you said. Yeah, I was like, yeah. man, okay, all right, I feel it. I think for, for me, as an M fan, you got to understand, I was, like, really soaking up 99 to 2001 Eminem. So what you had there, um, you had Slim Shady LP1, which came out in February of 99. Then you had Marshall Mathers LP which came out May of 2000. Um, in between that, August of 99, you had Dre 2001, which has my favorite Eminem verse on What's the Difference? That's my favorite Eminem verse of all. And then you got dope verses everywhere. That's my favorite Eminem verse of all time. Um, then you have, in 2001, Devil's Night, which is some of the sleeper hits of Eminem. He got some of his best raps on that motherfucker, too, like, Shit like this, I kick to these sick black kids who just might see how fucked up this sick life is. Ooh, I did it again, didn't I? My tits started to figure out and when Benny tits out here. Man, uh, anywho, so I was expecting Eminem's show to be like a culmination of all that shit. And then he took Dre pretty much off and he did all the beats himself. And this is the first time we had seen Eminem do that. So <laughs> you had only a few Dre songs and most 
Eminem production. So that warped right warped it for me right there. And he said he wanted it to sound like a 90s rock album, which is why you get like those Aerosmith samples and a lot of the shit that's going on there um, is because he was doing production up for himself for the first time. So again, Eminem show was great. Looking back on it, it was a good album, but it just wasn't what I was waiting on. You know, as a fresh, freshly new teenage boy, 13, now I'm like, now I'm becoming an adult. I'm buying my own tapes, my own CDs, and I'm ready for Eminem to give me the best shit I ever had. Like, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> so, but but again, Eminem show is good. But songs on here. <laughs> Damn, I'm long-winded on this, but Killer. The song is, this is my favorite song on this uh, record. And it's not only because the beat is simplistic, like a simplistic banger, but M wrote on this with a swag that I haven't heard from him in years, man. Uh, he didn't yell to get his point across. He floated on the fu- he floated on the beat, bro. Like, was real smooth on the shit. Like, and I love the chorus. Now counting 5'10, 15-20, 25-30. Yeah, get the money. Throw it in the furnace. Get yeah, it should be funny. Earn it just to burn it. Swag dripping from like li- listen to that bounce. Y'all don't even have to know what the beat sounds like to know how Eminem was bouncing that mother. Like, uh, 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 <laughs> you it's bounce. Eminem wrote with a bounce. I don't, you don't get this shit unless it's when the cops came through me and Dre stood. He hasn't done this shit this perfect for me in decades. <laughs> decades. So this is why I really I gravitate towards Killer because I'm like, damn, this nigga got a bounce back. And he said swag and it wasn't corny. Like, what do you do? 48-year-old Eminem, you wasted a whole decade doing shit. You wasted all the 2010s. I'm sorry, bro. All the 2010s. You gave us revival. Motherfucker, like yeah. you gave us that. You could have been doing this the last. He's got here every years, other decade, bro. right? <laughs> exactly. He just he had to get it out of his system. That's all that, that that era was. He had to get some stuff out. Well, I hope this decade he keep keep up with the old man rap shit and just keep rapping and maybe you old know, like because I don't. I'm ready to get. Another... No, I said, what did he say in uh, Killer? Something about how. Uh, this chick is in the club. She's yeah. turning fifty or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, that uh, bars, bars, oh, and then boy. this this part at the end when he says, uh, "For the last verse," and I like the way that the chorus for the last before the last verse, the chorus doesn't even go all the way through. It says, "I'm a killer," then stops, and then he goes, "Jack like the Ripper, all over the track, doing laps like a stripper." Now, 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 wow, wow, look out. <clears throat> Rap circle of round clowns, surround sound. Jack Rambo's back. <laughs> Jack Rambo's back, and my ammo stack, and I'm cocking raps on your head. In other words, I'm a stocking cap, and I'm talking facts like Office Max. <laughs> bro, what the fuck, bro? Like, and and the, the, the when when I I said it wrong because I wanted to make sure I was giving y'all the actual lyrics, but the way he says it is so smooth. I'm cocking raps, which means in fact I'm stocking caps. Like the way he was saying it was so cold. I'm like. This nigga is on his shit on this song, bro. I love it. I love everything about this song. I love the bounce. I love the chorus. I love the way he was rapping. He wasn't yelling at me. He, he might speed it up a little bit, but he... Uh, dun, 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 dun. Like, it was all bounce. It was all swag. And I'm like, damn, okay, M. It only took you a decade to get back to where you need to be, but I feel it. Um, Guns Blazing. This song is super interesting because... Given the recent history with Dr. Dre's divorce and how that played out in the media, you can almost feel like this song was added, you know, in the last few months, you know, just in the like last couple of months. Um, I know Dr. Dre should like started oh, in like makes sense. August or September, but um, you can almost tell like that this was some shit that 
you know, and was like, yeah, man, come to the studio. We need to, get, you know, get this in real quick. Um, and I like everything. Coincidence, I saw an article yesterday that said that they were still tapping. Who? Dre and his ex. Really? Yeah. Huh. Dre and his ex. I like Dre's verse because knowing that, the she says kind of hits a little harder. He says, let's make one thing, let's make one thing clear. Here, my dear, my resolution is year. No pollution, fresh air. My solution, long hair with a fat ass. I'm dead ass. My high clubs on jet lag. Raw steam flow. Casino. And you're just like ginger. We no single Negro. I don't need yo. Like, first of all. Right? <laughs> like, like, this bounce. The way, the way Dre was coming off on the beat. Because the beat's a little bit slower. And I read it faster. But it's so... Well laid. It's so well laid that it, you it, you you get the sense of the bits of swag that um, Dre and M used to have back in the day when they were working together. It's just it's 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 just a good bounce, man. I love that whole shit. And then um, while Dre blazes that verse, Eminem comes through to talk about his recent love shit. And I love how there's a part in this verse where it's it's mad simple, but it's just really funny. <laughs> He's like, um, "Guess I must guess I must have got wise because you are not sly." Just because you make up on the spot lies, coming out guns blazing, shot fired, hand sandy, I'm cutting off ties. <laughs> bitch, <laughs> bitch, everything you own's in a box by. Guess it's back to the trailer and Popeyes. Hope one day I pull up to the window of Popeyes and one day you be serving me hot fries. I don't know why I laugh at that line every fucking time. It's mad simple, mad simple, but just real. It wasn't a lot of shit that happens in this, on this album. Eminem is over rapping. But for the parts where he doesn't overrap, he just really makes a good fucking record, bro. And I love that shit. I love it, bro. Um, so I, again, not the most. This is not the most lyrical song. Neither is Killer. There's a lot of bar heavy songs in here, like uh, uh, Alfred's theme, super bar heavy. Um, Book of Rhymes is super bar heavy. Um, these demons bar heavy. Oh, a lot of this shit is bar heavy, but these are the best written songs, best constructed songs. Zeus, this is a song where uh, Eminem is reflecting on how, he's, how he is examining or dealing with hate and critics. Um, it was a lot of great lines. And again, not the most lyrical, but best crafted. And he says, and Drake, they're going to turn on you one day. And Drake, they're going to turn on you one day, too. And the more you win, the sooner they do. They'll be calling you a trash. They'll be calling you a trash man, saying that your new one ain't better than your last and Even if it is, they'll start to turn it back. And when they, and when they, and they ain't never coming back in. They did it to chance. Next to be mentioned in the future in the past tense. Or saying adios to amigos. I ain't dissing. I'm just keeping that shit a C note. It's not the most lyrical shit he's ever said. By far. But the whole record. The way he's talking to these rappers. The way he's like giving that shit up. Like. Is pretty. I don't know. It's something about this song that sticks with me. Just, just talking about how they did it to chance. And you think about it. It's like damn. You know. I had this conversation with my girl. We were talking about the CD. And she actually likes the CD. Um, we were talking about it, and she was like, "Damn, you know, you think that he, they're really gonna turn on Drake?" And I'm like, "Yeah." That, and people don't. There are tons of people who don't like Drake throughout his entire career. And as soon as he has one shit that's kind of like, "Eh," motherfuckers gonna be on his ass. They on his ass about this shit as it drops consistently. Like, "Ooh, that ain't better than Take Care. That ain't better than nothing was the same." You yeah. know, it's just part of. It's part of the game and the way it works. But the fact that he mentioned Chance and you thought about it like, damn, they did do that shit to Chance. 2019 is when Chance dropped um, The Big Day. 
we have not been really speaking on Chance positively since that <laughs> since that album dropped. And he was a fan favorite three years before that. Three to five, you know what I'm saying? Like 2016, 2017. And before he dropped, we were anticipating Color and Book because we loved acid rap and we loved surf. Like, mm-hmm. and now we just kind of like, eh, I don't know if Chance is going to be able to ever get back to that. And that was, The Big Day was his first official album. And now we're like, we don't know if he's going to be able to get back to that. I don't know. Um, well, he was singing and people were making fun of him saying like, he loves his what the, his mess, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what's so wrong? Okay. And so, I, I don't know, man. That might be another CD I have to go back to um, in the new year. Try again. Um, but also in this song, he mentions, so you remember that Snoop Dogg had a, a Breakfast Club interview a few months back and they asked him where did he place Eminem and he said Eminem is not in his top 10. Um, and there's this big like back and forth where everybody's like, oh, he dissed him and all he said was Eminem is not in his right. top 10. He's I like, don't see how that's a diss. Right. He said that Dr. Dre bought the best Eminem out that allowed Eminem to be able to be considered top, you know, five or top 10 or whatever. He, Dr. He basically was praising Dr. Dre and said Dr. Dre allowed, just like he did for him, um, for him to be at the top of people's list. It was not a diss. It was not a diss. He, he and Eminem are the same age. It's an observation. <laughs> right, dude. He and Eminem are the same age, bro. They're like a year apart, bro. It not even a yeah. like Like, bro, I didn't, he didn't grow up to him. He grew up to the same people that Eminem grew up to. Uh, allies and Ron DMC and Rakim and L.L. Cool J. All them motherfuckers. Right. So you expect him to say Eminem is top 10, but like, Anyway, Eminem got a little butt hurt and said, as far as squashing beef, I'm used to people knocking me, but not in my camp. I'm, and, and diplomatic as I'm trying to be, last thing I need is Snoop dogging me. Man, dog, you was like a goddamn, like a damn god to me. <laughs> not really. Not really. I, I had dog backwards, but I'm starting to think all these people talking, taking shots at me. It's no wonder. And then, you know, goes into the chorus. I... I think it's cool to hear him mention it, to speak on it, but I also think it's him being a, a fucking baby, bro. Like, are you not? I don't think so. You I don't think so because there's been plenty times that Snoop have said live that he don't like dog, plain and simple. Wait, yeah. really? Yeah, you've said yeah. that a lot. I, I, yeah, don't see, he's, he's I've never he's, heard um, anything like that. Yeah, it's it's um, uh, you gotta YouTube it. There's plenty times that Snoop was like. I don't mess with dog. I don't, I don't mess with the white boy. Like he says that like a lot, and it's not in the point of like I don't mess with him. I don't go after him. Is I don't respect him type. I don't I don't mess with him. Yeah. Like, you look him up. Um, really? Because Snoop yep. Snoop has said it on multiple occasions. And that first time, yeah, he was there was no beef or anything like that. And M didn't recognize that he didn't say nothing to him. But after the multiple times that Snoop was come at him, that's when he said that that uh, that lyric. Because when I heard that, I was like, yeah. It's about time. Oh wow! This is okay. Russell put me on some hip hop game. That's crazy. I didn't. Yeah, Snoop is real bitter about dog for some reason because they ask Snoop all the time what his like top five, top ten, and then they always bring him in because he's like you know um, he's done this, 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 and this. Um, um, even with the whole uh, Lord Jamar thing, um, where he was like, "Dude is a guest of rap." And Snoop was commenting about that. Like, it's a lot, dog. It's a lot uh, behind the scenes that don't get readily pushed to the front. But Snoop don't like dog. <laughs> Snoop, I think Snoop they, don't like dog. <laughs> right. I think the media was um, setting Snoop up after the first Breakfast Club interview because they caught wind that 
okay, maybe Snoop really don't fuck with uh, Eminem like that. Because in the original interview, it wasn't like that at all. He was just saying, dog, right. just saying in my top 10, there's other rappers out here that I think could right. do blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool, whatever. But then after that interview, other people that started interviewing him would bring that shit up and be like, oh, so what are your thoughts on Eminem? Not so much who's in your top 10 and blah, blah, blah. Now they're they just they're, heard that it was one like interview they were, and they're trying to like yeah media reviews to wait a minute but That's right well wait Russ the stuff you were talking about has it been is this is this pre twenty twenty yes yes oh my yes. god dog I didn't yes. think, I didn't know that yeah. I didn't know that there was I think there was a uh, I think there was a Vlad interview I think there was a, another interview where he's like in his studio or in a studio talking to somebody uh, uh, having an interview just just shooting shit I think he was smoking too. Um, I think I think I want to say maybe there was a Fat Joe conversation with Snoop too, um, but yeah, it was it's it's like maybe at least four times that Snoop said something regarding regarding that. So not a lot, but still enough. <laughs> I gotta find because maybe or if you can share it if you know what ones yeah, you're talking I, about because I. Like, Damn, I'll YouTube it. and I need proof. <laughs> that that makes that makes me disappointed in Snoop now, man. Damn, but yeah, you know, and then you got the you know you got the pundits coming out of nowhere, but like, well, you know, he just jealous because you know they were both under Dr. Dre and that. I'm like, but Snoop Why had his his fame. You know what I'm saying? Snoop had his his influence and his fame, so I don't see why he would have to be jealous of dog. Right. You know what I mean? It's like a passing of the torch type of thing. So I don't understand why they would be beats in the first place. That would be, dude. M- D- D- Doggy Style was at the time open with like 800, 803,000 copies. That mm-hmm. is the, at the time, at the time, that was the best debut. That was the only album from a debut, like debut album from an artist over any genre to debut at number one. The shit right. was a rap album and went damn near platinum in one week. Doc- Snoop Dogg broke mad records in his heyday. Snoop Dogg, first of all, he deserves credit for that, but the fact that he would be jealous because every few years, Dr. J was getting the passing torch. He was he put Easy and Q in positions to be considered great rappers. And Easy was not a great rapper. I don't care what nobody says. But he put him in positions to be great rappers. Ice Cube ended up changing the game. I mean, he influenced everybody from uh, Rick Ross to, to Eminem himself, like, to, to, to Snoop. Then I don't he, think... I don't think Snoop is jealous of him. That's not what I was getting from the interviews. It's he don't fuck with them like that. Also, he thinks that Eminem is not that good of a rapper. Mm-hmm. He said that multiple times. He and he likes bringing up that there are other rappers that are in the game that he likes doing that uh the Eminem if he was black thing argument. Okay. Right. Argument. Right. That's his whole thing. There's there's uh, mad rappers out here that are black that they have the same skill or better, but they ain't get the same shine. Drake found a white boy, put his ass on, and okay. because he was yeah. white and he could rhyme, now all of a sudden he's popular and blah blah right. blah. That's why M can never be in my top ten. He's on that shit. Right. He's, that's so, but that's so stupid. So Dre didn't pick for the fucking record, you idiots. He always say that Dre didn't pick M because he was white. Dre didn't even know M was white. He thought he was black, right. and then when he saw him in the street, he's like, oh. You're what? Like, Dre was shocked. But also, Dre was like, well, goddamn, we know this is going to work. So, what do you want? You, you, stop blaming him and blame Dre. Damn, idiots. But right. that, 
all of this makes more sense with the line of, um, and as diplomatic as I'm trying to be. Right. Because, because it, you know, M isn't on that, that same young Eminem shit anymore. Like, yeah. oh, you, we finna do this? We finna do this. He's more like, even in the, the interview he had with, um, was it, uh, um, was it Jimmy Kimmel? When he, no, it was a, it was a, uh, 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 it was Sway. The one, the, uh, the interview he did with Sway. Um, where they went over everything, and he was like, you know, I'm not just that type of dude to jump in beef no more and jump in the battle. A lot of this stuff isn't isn't worth it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm at this point in my life where I'm not trying to go back to that OM, and I'm, I, I, you know, thought that was pretty dope as far as the maturity and stuff. So, man, well, this changes everything um, in terms of how I feel about Snoop Dogg, but. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it hit for me too because I'm like, yo, there's there's no reason for this. Right, I can, but I, hey, I'm one of those people that separates art from whatever. As a musician, uh, Snoop Dogg has always made some of the best cuts. I, by the way, mm-hmm. I think he's the best artist to work with. Uh, for real, there was a post about him, Jay Z, or the Clips, and who had the better record for real. It's definitely Snoop Dogg. It's definitely Snoop Dogg. Better hits, better everything. Definitely Snoop. Um, but anywho, overall. To wrap this up, uh, I know we've, just, we've been talking about this for about 40 minutes. Um, this is a great album. Um, it's not by any means perfect. I don't think anything the M's done um, in the last 10 years, outside of maybe Bad Meets Evil, is perfect. Um, I give this a solid 8 because there's some shit here that could have been kept out. Um he has songs, another song on here with Skylar Gray that I'm like, ugh, we don't, we didn't. You're not that. a fan of her, are you? No, not really. <laughs> and they keep. Yeah, she was on that other track too, wasn't she? Yeah, and bro, leaving, yep, heaven. leaving heaven. <laughs> Get this bitch out of here! Why don't you like her? I mean, I just don't like her voice. I don't like. She is a part of like, that. It's oh, like she's poppy. Yes, like. but but it's not even that. She's a part of that. What is it? Uh, that era of Eminem. The era of Eminem where it's like recovery. recovery? Where it's all this like <laughs> fucking stadium rap. Oh, I hate that shit. That stadium rap, Cinderella, man, like all that anthem Ugh. stadium shit. And Ugh. she embodies that for me. With Anytime she get on a song with him, it sounds like her singing sounds <laughs> like some shit that you're about to be in a, like, I don't know. Wait, even Skylar? Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. Even even words I never said. She was on that uh, shit with, uh, with uh, Lupe. Okay. It's so see, I like that song. I fuck. It's, yeah. it's stadium. But I, but it's I like stadium Skylar rap. Skylar Gray though, because oh, I, I okay. listen to me too. Well, that's techno. So that's that's, that's disappointing. Big in that scene. <laughs> oh my god! She's just, big in the techno scene. <laughs> I can, I can, and exactly that would make sense. She would be somewhere in house music or some goofy shit like that. Like her on rap records make it sound like a female Freddie Mercury, and then you got. Lupe and M trying to come rap on the shit. I'm like, this shit sucks, bro. This shit sucks. Like, it sounds like it would work though. You know, Freddie Mercury. It sounds, it sounds like it, but then you <laughs> hear the sounds and then I don't like it. Like, so I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> um, so oh, I'm just getting older, man. <laughs> man, it's like the South Park episode. Everything sounds like shit. Just <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's what Skylar Gray is, a big turd. Um, anywho, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Overall, this is a solid eight. I feel like, and this is really, really, really solid eight too, because I feel like um, if he would have ten, if it weren't for that giant turd on this, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> um, if he would have mixed, Skylar Gray is Air Force Ones as fuck. She just straight out dookies. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you mix you mix those two you mix those two and she's not a bad vocalist but her in doing rap records irritates me a lot a lot a lot not a bad vocalist i won't say she's a bad talent but stop working with rappers please just do don't do that don't so um, eight so yeah an eight an eight an eight seven eight nine if this would be this would be a perfect team if he would have mixed some of the shit from here and some of the shit from music to be murdered by and just threw away some of the, uh, the filler and some of the other shit, all the Skylar Gray records, got those out of there. Then, but I think your bias always comes in <laughs> because <laughs> if he would have did that, really? it would have been um, bad people too. And I think that's what you really wanted this to be. Damn how it. you were talking about it. <sighs> and it wouldn't be music from murder by inside B, which it is. Shut up, Russell. You didn't even listen. (laughs) 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 And now it's time for Russell Russell G. Shut up, Russell G. I was like, shut up. Now it's time for your segment where you tell me why I'm wrong in life. (laughs) Make me feel bad about myself. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, dude, that was hilarious. Shut up, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> just, the, the anger in his voice He's was like, like Peter telling Meg to shut up. <laughs> shut up, Russell. <laughs> My dad could beat up your dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so first, let's get this shout-out out of the way. Um, shout-out for the day is... Uh, uh. Oh, for the... Uh, <laughs> a suicide a mental health education nonprofit organization. Um, they participate in outreach for those who can't come to them, as well as creating physical and digital resources uh, for the support of those suffering. Um, they have plenty of news for like donations, information regarding events, and other items that can be get, uh, obtained. Um, just as kind of gifts and, and souvenirs and reminders people that they're cared for and they're not, they're not alone. <coughs> Check out the website at hftd.org for more information. Again, that's hftd.org. Um, it has all their information up there as far as like other social media and how to get in contact with them. So again, that's Hope for the Day, a suicide prevention and mental health uh, education organization. Right. I'm still waiting for Cody to go uh, right before you do something about mental health. Just not my attention. I was washing my hands. I had to unmute quick so I I could do my shout out while he said shout out. And I was a little late on the uptake. So just shut up. Shut up to us. So I started with this one. Um, you know, usually I do like you know a black organization or, or uh, an organization that's uh, around the community. Um, I did this one because um, it is that time of season where people seem to be a little um, heavier uh, in their spirit, and um, it is apparent that many people don't see the value in being a whole person initially and use things and people to get them by. Um, they keep the people that they place in their lives or things that they place in their lives that keep them at a certain level of okayness, um, but it's not like it keeps them at a level of equilibrium um, or even some type of skewed or off-kilter balance, um, which prevents them from actively working on themselves. And I get it. You know, life is hard. Facing yourself is hard. Facing the self that others see on a regular basis that we have become blind to is hard. 
Um, one of the hardest things for me was coming to grips with what my family and my friends' uh, depiction and description of me was, um, as it was different from what I thought of myself. And so it like really shook me to the core. You know, was I really like this? Why didn't someone say anything until now? Why allow me to be comfortable in this unbalanced um, walk and depiction? But it is just as difficult to tell someone who they really are when they aren't in a place to receive it or hear it as it is for the person to come to grips with how they really portray themselves or display themselves. The balance must be something that they want to achieve um, in order for that to be successful. Um, This balance that most people want is usually some level of confidence and comfort. Um, the meshing of the two without venturing into arrogance or laziness at the other sin, uh, or maybe uh, complacency would be the word. <clears throat> but people don't realize many times the versions of themselves that they think they show is only a mirroring of their own mental impression and sometimes just a reflection of people we admire and poorly imitate most times. Um, even worse are the ideals and social constructs we fail or damage ourselves trying to adhere to. Um, certain constructs as far as like, um, let's take gender roles, for example. Um, I want to say first that I appreciate that everyone has come to terms with the fact that although some tasks seem to be better suited for certain sexes, um, that does not stop people from venturing outside their social comfort box, um, their social comfort zone, um, and bringing their full selves to the relationship, courtship, um, connection, whatever you want to call it, and blending those roles to make the relationship and the connection work, um, even outside of the overgeneralized home caring aspects, such as like cooking, cleaning, raising children, working, um, and going into the more emotional um, and, and logical and spiritual aspects, I think is a great fo- uh, step forward um, for our culture, for our community, and for our world. Um, I'm glad that people don't see that only women are supposed to cook or be in the kitchen or only men are supposed to be working on cars or things of that nature. And it just allows people to be their free selves. I think it is also one of the reasons I chose a shout out today uh, because mental health, emotional health is also tied to the physical, spiritual health, as well as this journey we call life in general. Um, Many people don't see the connection between mental health and physical health and realize that if your mental health is not um, intact and strong, usually your physical health suffers um, because we cope with different things. We cope with food, we cope with drugs and alcohol, as McCoy said earlier, Um, we cope with music, um, we cope with things, even we cope with um, fitness. And the coping with fitness does not necessarily make us more fit. Um, It could actually make us more sick. Really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't, I didn't, well, actually I did because I know, um, TS, I think that was a thing earlier when you were younger about, uh, like fitness and it making you sick or something, something like that. But yeah, over stay on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) It was more so, um, I, I don't think it was the fitness now. I think it was, I was dealing with a lot of stuff in just high school life and personally and stuff like that on top of the fact that I probably wasn't eating the best Mm. and then trying to exert a lot of energy 
where's the energy coming from? Where is mm-hmm. you would need the nutrients and stuff in order to keep up the fitness type lifestyle. Oh, I wasn't keeping up with the nutrients and everything like that. So overexerting myself, which is something that I just always do and haven't learned how to stop from. It wasn't conducive for young TS. Okay, okay. I was going to say, whatever you do, you just make sure you do it properly. Right. Like, I mean, I would say like what you said, TS, with like exerting yourself uh, past your body's limits for health, and then you get injured or really hurt or sore, stuff like that. Um, stretching right. helps with that or not being stubborn. Right, right. Because there's still a method to that Listening sort of madness. Uh, yeah, listening to your body. That's very important. Um, and also listening to yourself. Uh, like I said, the mental aspect plays a part just as much as the physical aspect. It's kind of just a mirror of each other that we don't really see. Um, but a lot of people, when they turn to fitness, especially for reasons of, I, I want to get in shape so I feel better about myself or that other people look at me you know, differently, um, it can be damaging to the the mind, of course, because they're focusing on the wrong thing um, instead of being fit and healthy for oneself and to improve the health of oneself, uh, both mentally and physically. Um, you're looking at that outside source to give you that motivation for one. Um, and also it gives you an unhealthy goal to look towards. There have been people who, when they um, have worked out um, and they push themselves too far, too hard, um, not done with the correct form, or push past their limits in an unhealthy way, because there's still ways to kind of push past your limits, but you want to do it in a gradual way so that you're gradually making yourself stronger um, and gradually improving your endurance, your stamina, uh, instead of just going for broke because you think you should um, either be at a certain level or um, just pushing yourself just to push yourself. Um, those things can be very de- uh, detrimental to your health, um, whether it's um, pulled muscles or any other type of actual physical damage. Um, <laughs> the introduction of foreign substances to increase the things that you would like to do. Um, you know, I watch a, a few bodybuilder documentaries and things with my father uh, at times, and you can always see that the, the cats who like really were juicing um, are in really terrible positions now. Uh, some of them have been lucky, lucky to keep their lives and, and keep some sort of uh, physical fitness still, uh, but it took a lot to come back from um, where their mind took them because they weren't in the right mental space. <clears throat> mental emotional stability and fortitude is as much a benefit to the other aspects of our life, as far as like physical, spiritual, and even economical or financial benefit, because it keeps us in the mindset to where we're um, going to the right, going the right direction, the right way. Um, a lot of people, <clears throat> when their mind isn't right, they, like I said, use these other means to compensate for what they don't feel they have or don't feel they are. And you see people who are very materialistic because they don't have the confidence um, to just be themselves and realize that that's enough. Um, You see people who are materialistic instead of purchasing the things that they need for them to survive, Um, especially during this this time of the pandemic, um, buying all this extra stuff. Um, We just came out of Christmas and people were spending up 
so much money like <laughs> like they don't have to go to work or like they make enough money to where they can just blow it all off for this one um, holiday and that's not even the reason for the season of the holiday right for sure that is that's mad interesting because I was just talking to somebody about that the other day um, mm. but do you think that uh, so do you think that people use like use this holiday um as a way to co- like you know we we get to get to these holidays and we spend so much money in order to make you know children happy or to make care our loved ones happy and do you think that that's a way of coping you think that that's like a way of people to yeah. i think that's part of it i also think that we've been um another one of those social constructs that we've been um kind of manipulated into making this season all about um, well, you got to get this new thing, you got to get this new thing, and you got to get this this thing that everybody else is going to have, and if you don't have it, then there's something wrong with you. And then we put that mindset into our kids um, to where they're like, if I don't have this, then I'm not going to be popular at school, or I'm not going to be popular with my friends, or um, you don't love me because, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of different things that Um, outside sources that are coming into the home that are causing the family dynamic to change in a way to where um, this season is more stressful than it needs to be. It's not about spending time with your family. It's not about showing love. It's not about giving the gift of each other to each other so that um, there's a stronger bond, there's a stronger connection. Um, Because that's what the season is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about oh, this is the time when you give me the PS5 or this is the time where, you know, you give me a new car or you propose to me or, you know, these things that seem to be prevalent throughout the world. Right. And it becomes a show. It, become, it becomes an outward show of the things that I can do for my people um, because as a country and as a people and as a culture, we're very competitive with each other. And instead of being so competitive, I think it would be much more beneficial for us to work towards being more cooperative, um, more collaborative, and we just haven't got there. Okay. All right. All right. Um, another one of these social kind of constructs um, regarding the gender role is, and I find this on social media a lot, um, is the discussion regarding consistency and loyalty. Um, We talked about consistency before um, regarding people who ask for not showing it. (laughs) I think it's the same with loyalty. Um, Women speak a lot about consistency and men speak with fear, uh, literal fear in their hearts about loyalty. And it, and it, um, it always intrigued me that this, this back and forth between um, the sexes uh, would always occur on social media. Um, the speakers themselves seem to suffer from not practicing what they preach. Um, as men desire loyalty, they don't really show <laughs> to women as they talk to many other people. And, you know, women are guilty of the same thing. But it's mostly um, how society paints it is that the men are usually the more unfaithful. Right. Definitely. Right? Yep, for sure. And then on the adverse side, um, women seem to be always requesting the consistency from men um, in their approach, but they rarely um, go out with or keep the man who shows the type of consistency that they are requesting, which is 
ironic to me uh, because the thing that you're asking for that you're receiving is a thing that you don't hold value in. So that's not always been interesting to me. But there's some girls that are like they want the prince charming, and then they when they get them, they're like, "Oh, I'm just bored now, so I'm gonna cheat." Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> It's reminds me of a song I heard, uh, Bitches Ain't Shit. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, even the adverse is true. Go ahead. I was going to say very shit accurate song. Shit Ain't Bitches? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shit Ain't Bitches. I was going to say it's a very accurate song, though. Very accurate song. <laughs> right. And so when, when women show less loyalty uh, in courting or entertaining other partners, all of a sudden, the man becomes more consistent in the communication or approach. So it's it's funny how that kind of works out. Um, in order to make sure that she's not speaking to anyone else, <laughs> you step up to the plate, you know, to you know confirm that now nah, this is what we're doing. And for the most part, that seems to work as far as relationship. Um, of course, this doesn't work in all cases, um, and this isn't the, the the situation for all cases, but. In a vast majority, I've noticed this similarity. Um, is this a clear example of the lack of mental fortitude? Possibly. Um, I think if there was more focus on being the better person, things would work out much different in these cases. But, and I, I know this probably isn't, you know, the situation for all of you, um, being safe from this dynamic, um, being in a relationship and whatnot. But there are still certain aspects that happen in relationships to where. Um, being consistent, being loyal um, helps to um, what's the word I'm looking for um, to provide additional adhesive to the connection mm. <laughs> absolutely I, I think in any you know, I mean you can obviously can connect this to being in a relationship but you can also connect this to like friendships and things of that nature and mm-hmm. I just think that being um, loyal in that aspect, you know you know, who was mm-hmm. y'all versus somebody else. And of course I'm going to take y'all side cause I'm loyal to y'all. And you know, same right. thing with, you know, not cheating and, or, you know, always having your, you know, partners back. Um, right. I just think loyalty does make, make a relationship stronger because you know that that person has your best interest, um, right. in heart. So yes, for sure. Right. And then I think the oh, added thing about, <laughs> the added thing about, or the other, side of the consistency is not just also being there or being um, um, more apt to communicate, but also being the same in every situation so that um, whether the person that you're loyal to is right or wrong, you're still consistent in being like, yeah, man, you're right, or no, man, that's wrong, and here's why. And I say this because I care about you, and in my loyalty, I want you to be um, okay. I don't want you, you know, you necessarily don't have to be right all the time, but I want you to know that, you know, either way, I'm here for you and we're going to, you know, make this, this journey together or keep going in this direction together um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the art of improvement. Right. <clears throat> all right. So I don't want to keep this long because music is long enough. Um, but I tell <laughs> this to say this. <laughs> Most everyone by now should know that I'm pro knowledge seeking, pro self improvement, pro connection building, pro janitor. Another pro word, um, protecting those who you care about. Um, even if it's just taking the time to. 
to converse, including listening as much as talking, to allow people to feel human again. Um, we seem so rushed, so boxed in, so worried, so panicked, so everything but at peace. Uh, it comes from within, and we have to seek it for ourselves. As this is just the second day of the new year, I pray that it is filled with the benefits of better health in all facets, more wealth instead of materials and stress, and a peace that radiates from within. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you for that, Russ. Um, that uh, That is actually, that, that last part that you just said, um, that finding peace and it comes from within, those like words that are really important for me now because I'm trying to do some things in my life, cut back on certain things, get better at certain things, and been pushing for this year to be a year of just like personal growth and financial, yeah. all, this, all, this, all this stuff. So that is actually is funny that you ended the segment with that because it kind of holds strong to some of the stuff that I'm trying to value this year. So I appreciate that. This segment. Mm -hmm. so. And now it's time I for. So appreciate <clears throat> Fucked up story of the week. <laughs> oh man, I should have had that queued up already. <laughs> okay. So how, how do you hum the. Hum the. Hum the uh, that we music that uh, 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 cool now yeah. I don't have to sample it <laughs> 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 okay got it thanks guys appreciate your help this is how you got people I am learning <laughs> alright so I had <laughs> Two possible. Uh, uh oh, this one doesn't want to go. Guess that one doesn't want to do. <laughs> right on. For all you old people out there who don't know what you we music is. <laughs> all right, got it. So there are two stories that I got. Um, one, I guess, is kind of a more discussional thing, and I know we don't want the pod to go on too much longer than this, but, um, yeah, since we're talking about um, uh, mental health and coping with things and stuff like this, there was a story that came up this week that says that victims of racism should take ecstasy or mushrooms to reduce the trauma of their experience, which is what this particular study suggests. Symptoms were lowered in 30 days after taking shrooms, LSD, or ecstasy. Scientists claim that psychedelics could be an important avenue for healing. So... Well, well, uh, well. <clears throat> yeah, I, I thought, thought you would definitely enjoy that. <laughs> this particular <laughs> story. The reason why I would say that it's kind of a fucked up story is that... Um, you need drugs to be happy. Yeah. Using mm. psychedelics and things to get rid of racism when <laughs> I think the... Well, they're right. still the picking at me, walk. but at least I'm not crying about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a study it's all suggests... love, baby. It ain't. Oh, oh, but it's all love. Hey, hey. I'm sorry that you were hurt. Here, take some LSD. Uh, what? Right. what? Let's talk to dog ass that just committed this act of racism against me. Why, why aren't there classes or why aren't racists Because I have a bus, bus. Now shut up and take this. 
WB <laughs> still being racist, but at least I'm not crying about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no. You know what's funny? Um, well, two, well, two Just things wait. about this. So, medicine as it stands, um, it's really supposed to be all derivatives of like natural shit. Of course, they're man-made shit, but even, um, even like aspirin and shit like that, they're concoctions of natural or like natural plant science. Like mushrooms, which have yeah, which mushrooms have a psychedelic yeah. effect. The property exactly. called psilocybin. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, look at Cody. There you go. Um, <clears throat> so I don't doubt for uh, any second that you know meds can help um, emotional or psychological, you know, mental issues that you might be dealing with. Um, even even ecstasy, which is MDMA. Um, was given to couples in the 60s before it was uh, banned as a uh, Schedule 1 uh, substance. Um, it was given to couples in marriage counseling so that way they could talk through shit. It so, was given to people who had PTSD from war so they okay. could get passionate. Like, I tried to talk to my wife because all we were this... going through stuff and she turned into a cow. <laughs> so, all these things that you're talking about, I say are relatively good things but they all come from a general place of hurt i have ptsd therefore let me, let me hide it with this it's kind of like <laughs> well, what we were talking before let's see like, if i can fix this with thing, that um, i have an issue talking to my wife maybe i can use this in order to help us communicate a little bit better but this particular study is purposely geared to um minorities getting messed with by racists. It isn't saying you should take mushrooms, LSD, ecstasy if you experience trauma in your life in order to deal with said trauma. This is specifically targeting right. those affected Ooh. by racists. Instead so they're not of, like, let's stop racism. They're like, just take this drug. Exactly. Oh, okay, yeah. but, and but that's why it's fucked up for me. It's like, yo. It's, so. it's even more so because it's an hallucinogen. It's not necessarily a... a, a <laughs> right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> exactly. LSD is, hallucin is a hallucinogen. That's what it, it does. It causes you to see things. Right. Uh, I can see if it was like, you know, they prescribe some type of CBD oil or something like that to soothe people <laughs> so that they'll be able to talk to each other or something like that or... To yeah, no, they're, they're not warping your mind. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm tripping so hard right now. I just saw Donald Trump say I love you to another black man. I'm so tripping, man. <laughs> this is how racism is going to end. Yeah. Oh. Man, America. no. I know, I get that, though. I, I don't think that... Um, I was here to advocate for drugs. Um, I wasn't here to advocate for... <laughs> Using it against See, you, you were hearing TS. You weren't listening to TS. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm. I think that anybody prescribing something to get, I, I think what the study is saying is that trauma caused by racism can be, you know, worked through. Um, but we still need to get to the heart of the issues so that way we can stop creating the trauma, which is racist people. So yes, mm -hmm. th this is not this study. Are for I think are more so for victims of racism but it's not killing the problem you know it's a band-aid it's a band-aid or 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 this is a study that you should give me post apartheid you know like like this is okay we've actually stopped the shit 
bitch. Now, um, the you know, since it's been reworked, maybe you you should take a little LSD to work through the shit that you saw your grandma getting spit on or whatever, kicked in the face or whatever. Like now that there's no more, but that's in a perfect world. So I think yes, TS, I see what you're saying. Like the article itself needs to um talk about the fact that niggas are still being racist, first of all. Because then I don't want my kids to have trauma and then them also to need to take LSD oh, well, for trauma. Right, exactly. Instead of victims get taking acid or whatever, you just, for the people that are being racist, you give them, like, uh, rat poison. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, I'm not for the, you know, I'm not an advocate for those type of practices as far as, like, prescriptions. Um there are some cases where in order to promote behavioral health, a prescription is necessary to maintain some balance. But the way that a lot of people prescribe things, and this is why I prefer counseling over therapists, because therapists are usually more um, on the medical side of things as far as like prescribing things, whereas counselors are more like, you know, let's try this, do this, you know, these mental exercises so that <laughs> we work through the actual problem and not just necessarily cover things up. Um, as some things are uh, hormonal imbalance, but some things are simply just some issues or some trauma that you need to deal with and work through in order to feel whole again. Um, my thing is prescriptions are not always the way to go. Um, they can actually do more harm than good, especially when we don't really know the body like we think we do. We don't really know the mind like we think we do. And we keep introducing all these substances and that actually changes uh, because the body is so good at adapting that they become no longer effective and the doses needs to increase or there's a stronger drug need to be used and it ends up hurting the person more than just helping them. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. But, um, so yeah, I guess that's that's that for the, the fucked up story and that there's still people out here not just being racist, but there are also people saying, instead of, let's, instead of fixing the racism, let's just give drugs to the people that are experiencing the racism. Should I play damaged man behind this? <laughs> I'm a damaged man. <laughs> yeah, play that version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Speaking of damaged people, um, there was the fun fact was that in 2012, there was a missing woman in Iceland. Uh, she was a tourist and a part of this group or whatever, and she was reported missing. But what had actually happened was in the middle of the tour, she split from the rest of the group, changed clothes, came back and joined the tour, and then everybody's jumping on the bus Nobody recognized the chick that was on the bus. They was looking for the chick that, well, herself, I guess, but in different clothes. So they were just, and it was an Asian woman too. <laughs> they, um, your sister. Yeah, we found her. <laughs> but uh, what had happened was they said, well, this chick is missing, and they're telling everybody on the bus there's this chick when, uh, with dark clothes on, and we haven't seen her, and blah, blah, blah. We got to find her. So the, the actual chick was like, yo, we should find her ass. And oh she joins the group and looking for her. By the end of the day, when they were getting ready to uh, fly out helicopters and stuff to find this tourist, uh, I guess the lady 
somebody was describing the lady to herself again, and she was like, wait, what the fuck? Nigga, that's me. I'm here. I'm not lost. I just changed clothes. And they called the whole thing off. Nobody got in trouble. But yeah, in 2012, there was a missing woman who, quote unquote, finds herself, like in Russell's segment, after intense search. I think the real fucked up story of the week here is when I send TS articles, and they could be three weeks old. And he's like, I'm not going to use that because that's not current. It needs to be within this week. And now he's like, from 2012. <laughs> well, this was a fun thing. Not a fucked up story. Also, I forgot that you sent me stories. My bad. <laughs> I'm the other guy that so tends to talk to you from time to time. <laughs> no, 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 no. He said, no, 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 no. No go, no go. Help me. Yeah, sweet some buds. <laughs> Real friends. How many of us <laughs> have them? <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, episode 89, this one uh, goes out to Donovan. Glad that we got a chance to do that whole hour segment, I guess, about your favorite rapper in the world, Eminem. D12 Donnie. D12 Donnie. This goes out Donnie to you. Kid Cardi. And <laughs> <laughs> I go by the name of TS, a.k.a. C Nova. You can find me on Twitter at C Nova KPZ. McCoy? We're McCoy. Your boy. Um, okay, Mr. What to do, aka Young Splash God, and I'm always on Twitter at Real McCoy KPZ, and I'm on Snapchat at Real McCoy Rebel. Hi, I'm Cody. CD I'm Re- still Cody. Here is Cody. He's CD Record on everything. That's on everything, bruh. Painkillers, finger Russ, the bar man, Ed <laughs> Russ, the Universal, Smooth Fingers, Scores Goo, Vendor, Russell Bus. And on that note, Ooh, good. <laughs> <laughs> he said it, he said it, that's it. <laughs>